What's up, Duke fans? Welcome to the Devil's Den podcast. I'm your host, Josh Smith, joined by my co-host, Raul and Shu. Um, going to do a little bit of a Boston College reaction, and then we're going to get into Pittsburgh and uh, Clemson a little bit here. So obviously, Duke beats BC um, up in Chestnut Saturday, 65-64. Got their first road win in conference. Um, Jeremy Roach did not play in this one. I think they kind of set him out for the toe. We actually talked a little bit about that on the last pod. Um, about kind of letting him heal up and see if he can get the shot going again, fix some things, get some other guys some chances. Um, you know, it looked like Duke was kind of going to run away from this one, and we're going to get into that too. I mean, I think we're up like 14 or so, and then BC goes on this kind of frenetic 16-2 to two run in the second half and just really kind of set up a real intense final minute there. Um, I won't call it a good final minute, but we'll say it was intense. So let's talk about some takeaways. Um, you know, it's... It's hard to kind of feel good about it, the way that it kind of cratered. But I thought there were several things in the first half to take away, some decent things at the beginning of that second half that we can get into. Just since we had um, Brian Geisinger on, kind of I've been looking at a different, like watching the game a little bit different, trying to kind of pick up on some of these actions that we were running. And Shu, I'll kind of throw it to you first here. Did you see anything in kind of the first half that looked a little bit different without Jeremy out there in terms of maybe what we were doing or who we were looking to get the ball to? Um, what stood out for you? Well, I mean, obviously, Derek in the first half, he, you know, came out and set it on fire. Uh, I think the very first play we ran was a little backdoor cut for a layup. Um, so nice just that, young there. Yeah, exactly. Just, you know, finally coming out of the gate and, and run something solid. And then, yeah, just Dariq, you know, was, was really aggressive, was really knocking down his three. Yeah. He was feeling it. I want to talk about that in a little bit, just put him specifically, but yeah, he was, he was feeling it. Raul, what about, did you see anything kind of different with Roach not being out there in terms of what we were running or trying to do, or did it just seem like the same offense to you? It was somewhat similar. I did like how much we used Young as more of a facilitator. And maybe that just had to do with the way BC was guarding him. But, you know, he had some really brilliant passes, you know, including on that first play. But, uh, yeah, just in general, I think that could be a good thing for us going forward. But, yeah, I'm sure you're going to get more specific with, you know, the actions they were running. But for me, it was just that kind of inside-out Young to the perimeter guys action and some yeah. of it didn't result in shots. Like he had a, uh, an amazing uh, kick out to Proctor for open three at the top of the key that Proctor just missed, but yep. just some really good fluid stuff there. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, she mentioned the very first play of the game. Um, there were several things that I noticed that we were doing that we had young still facilitating a lot from the post, but he was doing it a lot higher to create oh, yeah. more of that kind of space under say the that, rim, yeah. you know, like he was up much more, it wasn't so deep, um, which obviously led to that whitehead cut. He found Mark Mitchell a few times on some really n- nice ones, especially that and one that, that Mitchell yep. finished. Um, I also thought, you know, Geisinger talked about like the Spain pick and roll. And I've really kind of done some research on that to try to figure out what that looks like. And I was listening to JJ's pod, Old Man in the Three, shout out to them. And Fred Van Vliet was talking about it, that it's like one of the hardest actions to guard in the NBA right now. Um, and we, we've run that a lot. And I almost think, too... It, 
it might be a little too sophisticated with the team that we have with just a bunch of young guys out there. Um, but it worked really well. And Filipowski got some really nice looks off of that. Cause what it is essentially is it's a basic pick and roll, but then who the screener who sets it is also receiving kind of like a back pick behind it. So if Filipowski sets a screen, Blakes or Grandison or somebody will also come right in behind him to screen his man. So when he rolls, it's wide open. And I think like two of the finishes that Filipowski had were just basically off those actions. Um, so would love to see more of that. Obviously, we're going to talk about flip and some of the bad of this game. Um, but it was good to see that we were running things to get those looks down low. And some of that is maybe just because we went a- away from Lively a little bit and kind of just switched things up. Um, but you know, that first half, I thought we were really running some great offensive stuff. And it really the first about 25 minutes or so of the game, we ran some really good stuff. I mean, we should have been up about 20 points, but for whatever reason, Boston college has some dude that hits his first three of the year, decides to go full Leitner on us before the end of the half, just some like kind of fluky type stuff. I mean, if you listen to our preview, we talked about how bad BC was from three and you probably wouldn't even know that watching the game, but you know, that's just what playing Duke does for you, I guess. Um, but before we get into some other stuff, I want to talk about the two guys that we're not really had a player spotlight for this since it's one week. But I do think we should talk specifically about Mark Mitchell and Derek Whitehead. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Raul, I'll throw this to you first since Mitchell's kind of been your guy. Was this his best game? Top two, three? Yeah, because I would say that um, Iowa probably. Yeah. He was guarding Chris Murray and he did a great job on him. And then he had a really efficient offensive game as well. So that'd probably be number one. This is up near the top, though. In general, I was just really impressed by, and I've been impressed all year, by his touch around the rim. Like, he'll have these sort of uh, driving layups, and it looks a little bit like he's flailing and it shouldn't go in, but he's able to kind of contort his body so well and get it up there so soft that it does drop in. Um, And then he had one of the biggest baskets of the game late in the second half. And the biggest defensive play, kind of. Yeah. Tw- I think he had two blocks in the final yeah. like ninety seconds or so. Yeah. Um, we won't talk about the inbound stuff that we just seem to be allergic to right now. But yeah, <laughs> I think he finished with fourteen points, six rebounds, three blocks. I mean, um, I thought his defense was a lot better. He still has some some just bad luck. I feel like where every time he misses a rotation, it seems to be they scored. But we were just talking offline and. Some of it is that we were trying to do this like post double thing. Yep. And, and Shu, you were talking about that. And I was watching the replay twice. He's coming over to double, but we don't really double, but it's more than just to show a double. And it leads to just wide open. It leaves you no man land. Yeah. I think it was the other Langford, not Makai. Yeah, it was the brother, other. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It just was just killing us over there. Uh, not really killing us but in a two two possession game is a huge shot right um so you know there were some issues there but i thought overall just his aggressiveness getting to the rim getting downhill um he was cutting like super hard you know tonight or not tonight last night um so all those things that we've talked about wanting him to be more aggressive wanting him to kind of get get going a little bit so i thought that was a a really strong effort for him obviously we have to kind of 
kind of quiet in the second half, but he was on fire the first half. I mean, because it was really close for about 10 or 12 minutes there, um, and he just kept making big shots. I mean, there was some that was like we'd miss something. It'd get kind of tapped back out. He would catch it, and he's just pulling. And these weren't really open threes. You know, one or two of them were open, but a lot of them were just kind of like sizing his man up, looking him dead in the face and being like, dude, you're not close enough. That ain't going to nope. do it, right? Yeah. Hand I mean, down, was, man down. Yeah, I mean, there was some swagger there. Um, I, I really hate that he missed that dunk at the end, too, <laughs> just because it just – he just needs to keep getting these um, – Yeah, just for his confidence. Yeah, just to really grow. And then also, I just feel like we all might have a better taste in our mouth about the game if he made that dunk because it would have been such a huge play. Yeah. Like, it, you know, it, the level of excitement there – would have been kind of through the roof for me. But then the second he missed that dunk, I, I thought we were losing. Well, yeah, I mean, the whole team collapsed right after that. I mean, yeah. We had two turnovers on out-of-bounds plays back-to-back. Yeah. I think actually maybe three. Yeah. Um, well, the first one wasn't a – so as soon as he missed that dunk, we get the ball after the review, throw it in. Kyle starts backing it down and kicks it off his foot, right? But he he uh, he dives on it, and, and Shire calls a timeout. And that sets yeah, up that's the, right. the first turnover out-of-bounds to – to Mitchell. We kept passing into the corner for some reason. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know I'm getting a little bit ahead of us, but uh yeah, I did want to come back to Whitehead briefly. Um what do you guys think of that pull up three in transition? Because I was okay with it. Oh, I loved it at that point, you know, because he was what three of four, three, of four, yeah. three when he yeah. shot that one. And so it's you know, and we've talked about that. We've talked. I mean, all of us have talked about that from the get go this season. Of he would be a guy that would really thrive in an up and down setting, and yeah. he missed that one. But he's going to make some of those. You know, he's going to make some of those. Did you guys notice uh, Young take him aside? I, I hope that Young was that. saying. Yeah. I hope that Young was saying, "Keep shooting it," and not the opposite. Yeah. 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 I hope he was saying that too. I mean, because I did notice that that he went right up to it, but it looked like he had to kind of an arm around him for right. a second. It was a quick kind of thing. Um, hopefully it was just something like, hey, that's your shot. You know, you were feeling it, don't don't worry about it. I mean, as as bad as we've been on fast breaks, I'd rather get a shot up than turn <laughs> it over. You yeah. Know? I'd rather Dariq take a pull up three than most of our half court offense, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, really, really. And, uh, you know, he's still, he had some really nice cuts in that first half that we were really getting him like open to the, obviously the one to start the game. He had another one, a nice drive where he comes through the middle of the lane. Um, would have liked to seen a little bit more of that in the second half. But yeah. once they started coming back, we just kind of, the wheels fell off. Just, we were not executing at all. Um, we were taking bad shots. I mean, you know, he has 13 in that first half, finishes with 18. You know, that could have been a 25, 30 point game for him, you know, really. I mean, and that would have been huge. Yeah, yeah that would have been huge. Um, but I still think it's it speaks positive to the trend of trying to kind of get him into that role. And so if we're looking ahead and let's say, you know, seven to 10 days from now you get Roach back, but you've had three or four games where Whitehead has started to emerge as that guy, then we might could have something. Um, and so, you know, obviously we, we would have liked to have covered the spread and to, to win comfortably, but, you know, I'll take it for what it is. Um, another guy we should kind of talk about right quickly is Ryan Young. And so he kind of, he didn't have his, you know, whatever the stat that he had where he had made like 14 in a row or something like he that. Finally he finally missed. Yeah. He had finally missed, but he yeah. had a quiet seven, eight, and five. He had five assists, no turnovers. Yeah. 
Five assists in the first half, though. I mean, the first second half, you know. Yeah, but when we shot probably 30% in the second half, you you, you don't get assists when nobody scores for 10 minutes. So, yeah. Um, Well, let's get into that then. So, Duke goes up 52 38 with 14 41 remaining in the game. From there, I'm thinking this is probably going to be a 12 to 15, maybe even a 20 point win, and the wheels fall off. She will send this to you first. What goes wrong? What happens? I mean, a little bit of everything. Um, you know, some of those shots, I, I think we talked about Dariq's hot start, how he, you know, started out with 13 in the first half and, and only finished with 18. There was a, a couple that he missed, a couple threes that he, he, um, and I don't know if it was, I don't think it was fatigue related, but he just shorted them. Um, some, one of them was a really good look. I think Ryan Young might have kicked it out to him at the top of the key. Um, but he also, we, we got some, uh, some of those offensive fouls where you're, you're backing somebody down. I think Kyle got one or two. Dorit got a really terrible one on a, on a spin move. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it was just a combination of not making shots, taking some bad ones, getting some bad calls. But thankfully, you know, we, we hit our free throws. I think what we finished 17 of 19 from the free throw line, something like that. I think we only missed two, but yeah, 17 and 19. Yep. You know, cause I, I want to say the score was tied at 54 all with about eight minutes left. And we didn't have another field goal till uh flip scored a layup with about a minute and a half left. So, you know, shout out to our defense. If you, you know, <laughs> you got a tie ball game with eight minutes to go and you don't get a field goal for, for another eight minutes, you think you're going to definitely lose that game. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's a little bit part of our defense and part Boston College just, you know, missed shots as well. Yeah, sure. but we had a lot of great rim contests Very in that much, time yeah. period like yeah. that looked like they should be layups. And some of them we ended up contesting two or three shots because we couldn't grab the defensive rebound. Well, we were in the zone there. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, which was followed up by that. That's a good point because we had some really great rim defense at the end of that, but we had some awful like paint defense. Like while wow, they made that run, oh yeah, I mean, they were yeah. getting layups everywhere. Quentin Post was out there just looking like Joel Embiid. I mean, it was it was well, the bad. two problems I saw were, and we fixed one of them later in the game. But they were able to pass to people in the dunker spot, and we didn't have any awareness of what was going on behind us. Yep. So they got a lot of easy baskets that way. And then the other big thing I saw was the transition defense. All night was terrible. Yeah, yeah, transition was bad. And to their credit, they ran some great transition right. stuff. I mean, they were good. Like, but we'd have like one or two people back. You yeah. know, it was bad. It was bad. Um, you know, fortunately, they were able to kind of correct it and, and get it going. Um, but let's before we transition too much into the concerns I'm, i got some concerns i want to throw out to you all we've talked about the whitehead stuff we've talked a little bit about young um is this i guess is is this the next step for Dorit? because i do want to kind of hammer that a little bit is is this the game that we say okay this is who he can be this is our guy and let's take this first half and we need to run more stuff because even though he finished with 18 and she mentioned he missed a few shots he still only took 12 shots yeah. For the game. And for me, if you got 13 in that first half, you're four of six from three, you only take two more threes. Um, it's not like he was getting to the free throw line a lot. He only shot two free throws, made both. Um, we got to find a way to get him more shots. Yep. You know, we, it's time. It's January 8th. We need to go to score. You know, to me, it's time to, to get him going in that regard. Um, 
I, I don't know. Is that still where y'all are trying are kind of leaning here? Is it still we got to get Derek being the guy, or do you think this by committee thing is is going to sustain? I mean, it's always going to be a little bit by committee. I think you're not going to have like a 22 point per game score. Right. Like We're not talking JJ like, right. like level usage, right? Yeah. However, I I do think it has to be him. It has to be him, Mark Mitchell, and Ryan Young have to be kind of our three main offensive guys. Um, right now, the problem I see is that Kyle Filipowski still thinks he's our main offensive weapon. And that's fair because he was early to, to start the year. But we really need to find a way to transition away from that because it's resulting in a lot of empty possessions. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd like to say, I mentioned it on the last pod a little bit, I think, too. But I'd still like to see him. He wasn't. He almost did it less this game than he had in the prior game, but I'd like to see more on ball a little bit too. Now we ran some great stuff for him off ball, but I think if we complemented that a little bit, because what was it, Florida State, where he had like, he might've only had two or three assists, um, but he had some really nice kind of dump offs to Young on the roll. Um, He's a willing passer. And so I'd like to see a little bit more of that. Now he does got to get the handle. The handle is a little shaky at times. That's across the board. And he's made a a couple... Pretty bad decisions passing wise. For some reason, him and Mark Mitchell can't seem to get on the same page. I don't know if you noticed that, but uh, yep. like there was that pass early in the game where he just threw it at Mark Mitchell's back. And I think there was <laughs> one uh, later in the game that just ended up going out of bounds. Yeah. So, you know, just getting you more comfortable, maybe, you know, in that in that role as, you know, Jalen Blake's kind of didn't have a bad game, but he kind of came back down to earth. You know, he had those like back to back 17 point games. Um, now he's kind of had back to back like two or three, four point mm-hmm. games. And so, you know, it, it's it's just trying to find a guy who fits the role of an alpha a little bit. And he doesn't have to be like what you said. He doesn't have to be someone taking 22 shots, but I'd like to see him closer to between 15 and 18 the game you yeah. know that would be ideal well but. when you got the hot hand you know that needs to be a concerted effort by the coaching staff especially in that that you know second half lull where we hadn't scored in a couple good minutes you know like recognize that and let's run something solid to get this guy an easy look yeah you know Derek can score from all three levels so you can run a lot of stuff for him yeah, yeah. one thing so- i was noticing and it just may be my imagination but you know, uh, Josh, you brought up early in the year the hitch and Derek shot, um, and I noticed that it comes and goes now. And when he does have a hitch, he's much more likely to miss the shot. Yep. And I was seeing that a lot in the second half. I don't know if it's something with his load up, and if he doesn't get it quite right, he ends up with that hitch or something. You know, and maybe it comes back to you know the the, the foot injury, and maybe he's just not you know. There's something well, mechanically that's not right there. But do you guys notice he doesn't really use his legs? Like he's pretty stiff. So a lot of uh, upper body shots. So maybe that's where it is. Um, he's got like that kind of like curved shot. Like you know, his body is kind of in that yeah. like little like hunch yeah. that C almost sometimes. Um, whereas other times it's like a little more like vertical. Um, so yeah, I don't. Yeah, it just seems it just seems to change a lot, and that's interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah, I think it it could just be two of him adjusting to getting more shots off the catch and less shots off the action himself or off the dribble, Mm -hmm. which, you know, you're going to shoot a little bit differently in those regards. But so let's do a little something a little different here. I'm going to go through three players 
Um, and I'm going to toss it out to you guys and just kind of give me your concern level here. Kind of like, where are we in the yellow, red, or green? You're not worried about it at all. Um, let's start. And I'm not trying to pile on these guys. You know, we talk about them a lot, but let's start with Tyrese Proctor. So the shooting slump kind of continues here. Um, which is unfortunate because I thought that he was on pace at the beginning of the game to have a really nice game. You know, he had two threes that were just net that looked good. Um, he had some pretty nice passes and then it kind of falls apart. He finishes two for 10. Shu, I'll go to you first for this one. What is your concern level right now on Proctor? Now that we're into January, it's hard to kind of say that it's still super early. So where are you at here on this? Yeah, I guess I would be yellow on on proctor okay. um the Death shot on three maybe you know? yeah i mean <laughs> the, the shot definitely needs you know it he hit two this game good for him but i think that was what would he finish two for ten for this two game? for ten yeah so you know not great um but he had some nice passes uh there were a couple times that he drove in um kind of fumbled the ball but but was still able to you know to make a pass to a cutting i think kyle caught one there's one that he bobbled that uh that kyle scooped up for a layup but um i'm not ready to to push the panic button with tyrese just yet okay Ro, where are you where are you at with it yeah i would say yellow too um i actually liked a lot of what i saw in this game from him like i think his biggest problem right now is when he gets into the lane he just really doesn't have the strength to finish. Um, so he's taking a lot of these like floaters um, and stuff like that when he could be getting to the rim if he was a little bit stronger. But the passing is still there. He had a couple of great passes in this game, I thought. I, I don't remember if they all led to assists, but you can tell he's in a little bit over his head sometimes when he's bringing the ball up the court against ACC competition. But yeah. I, I'm still seeing enough flashes that I, I see I see a path to progression for him. I see I can I can come up with a hypothetical where he's really good at the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah. He, I, I see it kind of similar. Um, you know, to me, the warning, the concern level is predicated on do we only have this guy for two more months or am I going to get right. sophomore Proctor? Because yeah. he's the one guy that I would probably pick to say, give me this guy as a sophomore because you can see it's there. Um, and honestly, if I could boil it down to just like one simple fix from him, we got to get this guy to the free throw line, whether that's getting him more aggressive, getting him on the drive. He's only shot over two free throws in a game twice this year. One of them, he shot three and then Ohio state, he went six for six from the line. This guy's an 87% free throw shooter and he's probably closer to 90 really with, with enough volume. Um, but he shot zero free throws against Boston College. He shot two against State, two against Florida. We got to get him to the line. That could get him just some easy rhythm stuff. Um, and I'm not sure if it's just he's just kind of shying away from contact. He's not driving a whole lot in general, really. And the handle seems good enough. The vision seems good enough. Um, just for whatever reason, and probably a lot of it is that he's played with two and three bigs a lot of times, which that's creating some issue. But we're seeing more space now for Whitehead and Mitchell. Hopefully, we can get Proctor to also take advantage of that. Um, that would be, you know, something to kind of get him going or get the feel, you know, the ball in his hand a little bit. But um, okay, so somewhere around the, the 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 yellow warning, the caution sign. Let's talk about Filipowski now. 
Obviously, again, we're not trying to hammer these guys. I know we've talked about Flip a lot. I will say that I thought Flip played really hard still. You know, he plays his ass off. Um, and as bad as the BC game was, the I mean, he finished the game. You yeah. know, he finished the game and he should have had the game winning defensive stop and assist to Dariq, which probably would have put an emphatic just, okay, this is enough's enough, guys. Um, but you know, that didn't work out. But he comes back down, gets a huge, huge offensive rebound, um, knocks both free throws down, which, you know, you got a guy that's struggling. You got a guy on the road, he's five for fourteen from the field, he's got five turnovers, he goes five for five from the line, just steps up, money. Um, that's the one area where he's been just really, really good for us. You know, to have your big guy shoot almost 80% from the free throw line is pretty good stuff. Um, but again, we're not here to this section to talk about what he's doing good. We're talking about what he's doing bad. So right now he's one for 16 from three in conference, 13 straight misses. This is Jack White territory right here. (laughs) This is, you know, shouts to Jack White. Love the dude. But this is like 2019 kind of Jack White swamp looking right now. 16 turnovers in conference, five against BC. Roll, I'll go to you this time. Where's the concern level at for Filipowski here? Okay, so I'm going to explain this. So it's going to be red, but the reason it's red is not because of Filipowski's actual play. It's because of his role in the offense and what he thinks it is and what John Shire also seems to think it is. If we didn't continue treating him like he was our best player, then I would be a little bit less concerned. I just, the fact that we're still playing two bigs after Filipowski has fallen off a cliff and there's little excuse to do it is the frustrating part for me. And that's why my concern level is high. It's it's more concern about like, are we going to go away from this? And or is he going to get back to a level of play that actually justifies us playing this lineup? Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of what I've talked about for a, a month now, it feels like, of just, I think he could be a much better player with just reduced usage, you know, mm-hmm. just kind of getting back to doing what he does well. Also, also spacing, you know, like yeah. he's, uh, his worst plays are consistently on these drives where he's trying to spin into a bunch of traffic. There's three guys there. Um, or he's trying to finish at the rim with no spacing because Ryan Young's three feet away from him. Yeah. yeah. Literally just cut the turnovers down and he would be fine. You know, I can live with missed shots. It's those turnovers that, you know, shoot where are you at with the, with the concern. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll go with orange. So it's a little okay. bit in between. Okay. Um, yeah. But f- Precisely the reason you, the, the turnovers, the turnovers kill me. Um, I don't like us, like you just said, I don't mind missing shots. Everybody's going to miss shots. Um, I'm hoping that Vegas doesn't have a side bet on when he makes a three. I hope it doesn't get that bad, but, um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm fine with the missing shots, but yeah, the, the turnovers. Um, and then he just hasn't, I don't know if we would consider that, that last possession. Was that an offensive rebound when, when Ryan missed it? I feel like he more, he took that ball away from it was a steal, I think. Yeah. Took Possibly. it away. Which which goes to his hustle, right? And his yep. the fight in him. So I do love him for that. Um, you know, you can tell he's a competitor and he wants to win. But yeah, I think dialing back his usage um and and maybe giving a couple more shots to to Dariq. I think Dariq finished with twelve shots taken and and Kyle still finished with fourteen. So mm. like this that's kind of RJ Zion type territory there where maybe we should be giving it to the other guy. I don't know. Yeah. And you know, 
it flip is a similar to me in the proctor thing and the concern level to me is kind of predicated on do i get these guys for their sophomore year because you can see the potential and you can see like the college potential these guys could be really good and really good together um but you know we live in this kind of especially at duke to where it just feels like we have these six month windows every year which is starting to kind of get to me a little bit as a fan, you know, in particular, but like if, if these guys could come back again, I think they would be, you know, phenomenal. I don't want to make the comp in terms of like the players of how good they were, but just in terms, when I go back to that, like 2000 season and I'm watching kind of freshman Jay will and freshman boozer, those guys were one, a lot better, you know, and they had a lot better seasons, but you saw a lot of that kind of in, in context, though everyone stayed basically around that time. So you just knew guys were coming back. Um, but you saw that potential and then what it led to just as, as them being sophomores, you know, like the jump that they both made as sophomores. Now, obviously, I don't think that Proctor or these guys are going to all of a sudden become all ACC player of the year next year. They could, but I'm not saying that, but more in terms of it would really be nice to see this thing play out. Um, you know, and I'm not going to knock them if they go and, follow the dream, chase the bag, do whatever you need to do. Um, but I think that would help a little bit from a fan perspective to just be able to step away from the wedge. If, if, if we could see those guys, those guys again, but, uh, all right. Last guy here, Derek Lively. Um, it's just been a, it's been a season. It's been a season. So his minutes have continued to kind of just trickle down and not really be super consistent. Um, he played 12 minutes against BC, had one dunk, zero rebounds. He's had six total rebounds in four conference games and 12 points. Shu, I'll go to you first for this one. What's the concern level like with Lively right now? That's what's worse than red, purple. I don't know what yeah. goes under that. You know? um, yeah, I mean... Right now, just, you know, obviously he came in, you know, as a, a defensive guy, but he's just really not given us any, a whole lot of that. I think last night in the game, um, he came in for the first time in the second half, immediately gave up an and one because something that Raul had talked previously, he gets, he gets into his, people come right into his body, drops his arms, automatic foul, gives up an, you know, uh, an and one opportunity. I think on the next possession, he catches the ball on the baseline and tries to make a, a, a cross court pass basically that gets picked off. Um, so uh, immediately comes in and gives up, you know, three, five points that way. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm concerned because obviously he's not, he's a, he's a negative on the other end. You know, it's, we're playing five on four on the other end until we can figure out how to get him some lobs or something, but, um, pretty concerned. Yeah, his guards aren't doing many favors. So that's out there too, you know. And that's why you see a lot of guys that will get into an NBA just because the talent that you're playing with, like it's just gonna open it up for a guy like him. Um, but right now we're not doing a good job of finding him and he's not going to doing a good job of being available really either. You know, it's not you mentioned the defense with the body. It's also the same issue on the rebounds aren't there. He could have had a nice like offensive rebound putback. Um, I think off a young or a Filipowski and he jumped a little early and it kind of got behind him, but he also kind of got shoved a little bit because he just doesn't have the just strength, I guess, right now to really just kind of body guys. He gets kind of pushed around a little bit. Um, yeah. Ro, where are you at concern level wise for lively? I'm going to take this a different direction. I'm going to say I'm not really concerned at all, but it's only because I just, 
don't think he really has much of a role going forward. And I think Shire seems to realize that. So in both these cases, I've taken it from the perspective of how concerned am I about the impact on the team rather than how concerned am I about the player himself. If you ask me, do I think Lively is going to improve and how concerned am I about that? It would be a red for sure. But if we're looking at like how negatively is this going to impact the team, I think that ship has sailed. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think he's going to make a positive impact. So you know, I think when you look at his minutes, they're almost token minutes at this point. I guess you could say, like, it's worth being a little bit concerned because Shire did have him out there for that big run or like half of it. But I, I, I would not be surprised if four or five games from now he has a DNP. Well, can I jump in? What would be your, you guys' concern for the optics of? That's us? true. That's true not playing him you know that's that's uh if this was k it wouldn't matter because his track record would just speak you know but with it being and i don't know what else he can really do other than apologize for how he constructed the roster if you were just talking to lively like sorry i didn't build it all around you you know because it's not in a way for him to be super successful i will say well it's not like he's not it's not like shire is not playing top recruits right you know Whitehead's getting more and more minutes. Um, Mitchell's playing. Um, Filipowski's playing. Like, can you really pin it as this sort of waste of this elite talent if you've got, you know, because Mitchell was top 10 at one point too. You've got three other top 10 guys getting major minutes. Yeah. I mean, of course, people find a way to say that no matter what, but... I guess, I guess, I guess the concern is like whether or not that affects recruiting in any way. Whether yeah. Lively's family's going around, you know, bad mouthing us to everybody, and somehow that gets on the AAU circuit. But well, to, I would to hope to see mean, he, that he's not doing anything. Yeah, well, to be fair, he's he's been a great teammate from yeah. everything I've yes. seen. Like, um, you know, watching him from the sidelines, he's he's up and and cheering. Yep. So even though he's not playing, at least he's you know he's still being a part of the team. Yeah. He's, he's like he a great tr- kid by all accounts. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he tries when he's out there. Like he's willing to like he's willing to do some of the little stuff. Like he comes out and sets screens up high all the time, like a ton yeah. of them. Um, you know, and some big men don't want to do that. Yep. Willing passer too, maybe too yeah. willing, yeah. honestly, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, obviously the optics are never going to be great if you have a number one guy come in and just not be ready to perform. Um, the hard part is with him is that his game was never predicated on performing on offense to begin with. And right. so that makes it difficult if he could be playing like he could live up to his expectation. And we're still probably talking about him averaging like eight and eight. But then you would see like five blocks. You know, you might see like an eight, eight, five or an eight, eight, four or you know, eight, 10, four or something like that, where he's really impacting the game. But the defensive impact really just hasn't quite been there. Um, now his block percentage and block rates are still pretty high. And you do see the contest when he's there, but we just don't finish possessions that well. Cause he's getting pushed around a little bit. If they get into his body, that's an issue. Help defense has still been really good for him. So there's some, you know, there's some positives. I'll say that my concern is I'll I'll kind of hit on both of y'all's points because I agree with both. For the team overall in terms of his role, I kind of agree with Raul as I just kind of think that 
we're going to keep throwing him some minutes. Maybe that's the optics. You know, we're just going to keep trotting you out there. We're going to give you 10 to 15 minutes to see if you can get anything going. Um, my concern, though, is that if I'm thinking about our defensive ceiling and just our ceiling in general, if this is what we got, then I'm, I'm a little concerned about that because the defense has plummeted. You know, we're almost we're 11th in conference in defense right now. We're 40th overall in Ken Palm. I mean, it continues to just the annual Duke kind of fall off the cliff in January, right? Like we're, we're still seeing that here. So that would make me a little concerned. Um, but you know, I just, I think this is kind of what we got right now. So, you know, but all right. So some decent concerns. I haven't heard anything yet about Roach um, and his availability. You know, I'm kind of hoping for him that he doesn't come back until that's at least gotten stabilized enough to where he can play at a high level. Um, you know, or we can segue and talk about Pittsburgh, which concerns me without Roach, but only without like the good Roach, like the healthy Roach, because these dudes coming in, they're old. They have three kind of senior guards on the perimeter and they're going to be a problem. They're going to, these dudes are going to be a problem. I think, you know, Ken Palm predicts a 73, 66 Duke win. And I don't want to be too much of a Debbie Downer. I wouldn't be surprised if that was flipped around you know um obviously they just lost a, a nail biter to clemson at home but clemson's five and oh in the acc right now they got the number one defense in the conference pitt has the number two offense in the conference they're four and one they beat unc they beat uva they beat syracuse they beat state i don't know how you can feel too great about that based off what we did in raleigh and then what we did and um you know up at boston college so that's going to be a challenge. It's going to be tough. We play them Wednesday at Cameron, so that's that's a positive. But they're a good offensive team. I mean, I think they're 40th nationally, but they take a lot of threes. 44% of their shots come from three. Um, they're second, in, like I said, second in conference and adjusted offensive efficiency. And they got some guys. You know, Henson is a guy that could be a big problem. Um, the guy that we saw at Burton. Media Day, Jamarius Burton. Burton, I think is how yeah. he pronounces it. A dude's a problem. Yeah. Um, they have four guys who have shot over 53s this year. Their guards really play with some great pace. They really control the game. Um, you know, they're going to be tough. They're going to be tough. And they've recently got this sophomore big guy, Federico Federico. I love the double, the double mm -hmm. name there. Um, but he's really kind of stepped up and gave them some really good rim protection down low. He's got an 8.2% block rate. Um, not quite lively level, but he plays a little bit more. And so it gives them some kind of versatility there. Um, but anyway, I just ran through all that stuff right quick because I kind of wanted to toss it out to you all. Based on that, based on where you see Dukes, kind of where we're at, how we're playing right now, what are your kind of thoughts and predictions on this game? Shoot, I'll go to you first. Uh, I mean, realistically, I think just like you said, that that Ken Palm score could be flipped around. I mean, we just played Boston College, who was the second worst three-point shoot team in the whole entire nation, um, and played them to a one-point game. Uh, these guys are a lot better and take a lot more and make a lot more. Um, I'm, you know, without Jeremy, I think it's going to be tough, especially on, on Proctor and, and Whitehead or Blake's whoever just, uh, those guards are going to be tough. And then, like you said, uh, Henson in the inside, the, the forward they got, I'm not very optimistic about it. So. Yeah. Bro, will you kind of share that? Are you feeling, I know you've kind of been a proponent of planning Cameron this year. So you, you feel like the home crowd's going to be good enough to get us over that hump or, or where are you sitting with it? Yeah. I think, uh, 
that's been one of the under talked about storylines is like just how much better we've been at home than on the road and actually better at home than we've been in previous years relative to how good we were. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like uh, Cameron's actually been flat and kind of dead and we've struggled at home really for the last three years or so. And I feel like that's changed for whatever reason under Shire. And I just feel like we're going to perform. We're going to see the best version of ourselves. And I, I also like the fact that they're not this defensive juggernaut. I think that could help us because when we played these kind of offense first teams, we've actually looked pretty good. That's so, true. yeah, I like That's this true. one. I think we're going to win and I might even predict a cover. Okay. Um, wow. All right. Now I give us zero chance against Clemson. I think that's <laughs> yeah. going to be a bloodbath. <laughs> a yeah, great defensive team on the road. On the road. Yeah. That, that one's going to be tough. Um, well, you might have not zero around chance, a little but, bit, but on, on Pittsburgh, because I'm without Jeremy, I'm just really concerned about how we handle their guards. Um, you know, Nellie Cummings has been really good for them. Senior guard is 24 years old. Um, he transferred like Colgate, Jeremy was helping our defense against that's guards. True. So. <laughs> that's true. But maybe there's a little bit of poise. And if they're not yeah. good defensively, that's where Roach can maybe really just give us that kind of spark. Um, you know, I, I'm a little concerned about just getting rattled from Proctor and Blakes, who's like you've mentioned, Proctor's looked a little shaky bringing it up the court against D1 comp, especially like in, in conference. You know, Blake's is fine, but he's still not really accustomed to that role. Um, you know, I would just really like to to have Jeremy in this game. Um, obviously, I don't think we will. So that's putting us in a, you know, I, I don't want to predict a loss, but I, I wouldn't be shocked by it. I'm hoping, like you said, that Cameron is the is the rejuvenation that we need and the the boost that we need. But being capable, he's going to have those guys, I think, ready to come into that environment, ready to play in it. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see the coaching battle and and who's working the refs, who's doing the different lineups, who's kind of, you know, who switches to zone first, who kind of runs different sets first, um, you know, because they're old. They're old. Well, I hope you know, we don't have to go to zone against these guys. That, they'll shoot you out of it. Yeah. They'll shoot you out of it. Um, now, they might not make them, but they're going to shoot them. Yeah, and so you know that might be an area, like you said, where we try to try to handle that. It's going to be a big defensive test for whoever's on Henson. I'm assuming that's probably going to be Filipowski. I'm guessing, um, you know, because I think they start Cummings, Elliott, Burton, Henson, and that the big guy Federico, Federico. So maybe he'll draw that. But then you're putting you got to put Ryan Young on somebody too. So. You know, if, I don't want to be a proponent for going small, but I'd really like to put Mitchell on Henson if possible. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we'll, we'll we'll see how that goes. But it's going to be tough. I think it's going to be a really tough game. I think it's going to be a battle. Um, you know, I don't think we'll cover the seven-point spread. I, I would love to do that. That would be awesome. I would take just any win. What's that the score that Ken Palm has it at? 73-66. Why does he keep predicting us to score 70 points? We could barely score 60 points. Uh, I guess because uh, they're not a great offensive team or a defensive team, but... Yeah, well, he predicts us to score 69 on the road at Clemson. We'll talk about that in just a second. But, okay. Um, okay. I mean, well, it's, it's just based on where our offensive rating is for the year. It's not based on where it is what for we're doing the last right four or five games, you know? Right, right, right. Um, so, you know, we are playing at home. Maybe we found a little bit of toughness or a little bit just to 
that win against BC, maybe that gives us something to build upon moving forward. We'll see. We'll see. It's going to be a tough one. I guess before we do get out here, I'll talk a little bit about Clemson because we're probably not going to come back and record again until after that, trying to get these set up now and where we can do week by week. Um, so after Pittsburgh, it doesn't get much easier. We follow up with the ACC leader. Uh, we go on the road Saturday to Little John. Like I just mentioned, Clemson's 5-0 and in the ACC, 13-3 um, and overall, I believe. Ken Palm does project a 70-69 loss in that one, which – Seems, I guess, about right. I'd be, you know, that's pretty close, but that's just the way the metrics work over there. But again, number one defense in conference, fourth offense, um, playing at a good pace. You know, they're, they're, they're shooting the ball well, they're scoring the ball well, doing pretty much everything well. Obviously, most of y'all will probably remember PJ Hall as a guy that can kind of get in there and give you the business. He's still around. Um, a couple other guys have, they've kind of by committee over there, but. So it's going to be a tough week. You know, we seem to have a lot of these road games kind of front loaded on the schedule. Maybe I'll have to go back and look at that. But, um, you know, this will be our third. I guess that's, you know, only three out of six. So not too bad, but, um, you know, time to go. It's time to go. You know, now all these teams, when you're looking at the conference slate, you might not have thought about Clemson and Pitt and your preseason picks, but here they are at four and one and five and oh. You know, even Shire talked about that. Like, you know, you got to be ready to go at state. You know, you got to be ready to go at Wake. You got to turn around and beat a, a Florida State team who's got something to prove at home. And luckily we did that. But there's no Maryland Eastern Shores walking through the door right now. You know, maybe Louisville, but I wouldn't be surprised if they played as tight. So it's just going to be that type of grind. Um, yeah. And I think know. a lot of it uh, with these unexpected teams at the top is that the expected teams haven't been as good as they should be. Yeah, um, that's what's namely hurt. Duke in yep. North Carolina. Yeah, yeah, that's been a, a big hurt for them. Um, you know, I will say that what Clemson is doing right now inside the paint is concerning to me when we go up there. To oh, Luke yeah, John, they're holding opponents under 40% from two, considering and, that that's what we want to do, and we know our track record from three. Yeah. So maybe I mean, it's time to put Grandison in the corner for about three days straight and get him a thousand shots up or something. I mean, we historically don't shoot well in. And little John either, so or anywhere this year, but yeah. that's my <laughs> other bone to pick with Shire is the uh, the underuse of Grandison, and he's even I, talked I about it, it himself, which is weird. I'm like it. I need yeah. to get this guy more minutes, or I need mm -hmm. to do this or that. It's weird. Um, he just seems know. to be an afterthought, you know. And even when he's in there, it's you know he's played nine minutes, twelve minutes, and he's taking one or two shots. Like right. if he's going to be in there, you got to just. You got to give him like the Andre Dawkins treatment or something and just mm -hmm. like, let's get this dude five or six looks and see what happens. Um, but, you know, for whatever reason, maybe guys have kind of like kind of keyed in on him a little bit or he's just not hitting his spots or just doesn't feel comfortable in the, that reduced of a role to where he can't find the rhythm. I don't know. I mean, it's also just, well, it's just, just also just the minutes. Like, you're yeah. telling me that like he's playing the same number of minutes as lively? Basically, lately, yeah, less minutes than lively. Less, yeah. I think he can offer more than lively. Yeah. Sorry, well, there's there's, a, there's a lot of people on on boards, uh, you know, all over the interwebs that want to see Jaden shoot. I don't know how you guys feel about that. No. I, I, yeah, I, I'm on the board that I just don't think you know his one or two threes that he's going to make possibly are going to um, offset the six to ten that he's going to give up defensively. Yeah, that seems like yeah. a typical kind of like um, grass is always greener kind of 
backup QB Cinnamon. syndrome yeah, exactly, a little bit. Exactly, the guy yeah. we haven't seen is all of a sudden, and maybe he could, you know, and I don't want to not Jaden shoot, but just based off what we've seen so far, I mean, if our goal is to continue to tank our defense, we're at 11th in conference. If we're wanting to get to like 15th, sure, mm-hmm. go for it, right? But it, it would only be worth it if you could, if he could really elevate the offense to a level like significantly higher. Um, yeah, I'm but, not saying he shouldn't play at all, but maybe right. he could get in there and play a little, especially with Roach out. Maybe he could play a little bit more. But in order to significantly improve the offense as a shooter, you can't just be taking the occasional catch and shoot three. Like if that's your whole game is just shooting, then you have to be coming off. You have to be like Duncan Robinson of 2020. You know what I mean? It has to be yeah. constant movement. Yeah. And do you really see that happening with shoot? Yeah. Um, and can we afford to put another guard up there that's not a ball handler? Right. You know, we've we've already talked about like we we're kind of shaky as it is. You know, with like Proctor and Blake's out there, like and Whitehead. None of those guys are really. You feel super super comfortable with them having the ball. Jaden doesn't look yet to be very comfortable at all, like doing anything off the dribble or bringing it up. And um, you know, we'll, we'll see. I mean. You know, at the end of the day, we're sitting here at three and two in conference, um, 12 and four overall. Could so, be worse for sure. You know, could definitely be worse. Um, Maybe it will Kimpom be. We'll now, <laughs> yeah, he's now projecting us to go 12 and eight in conference, which, you know, I guess if you're just looking at the schedule and how we've been playing lately mm-hmm. seems more than fair, really. You know, now can we play better? Sure. Um, but at some point we have to start to see that trend. You know, I'm not sure we're there yet, but. I don't know. Anything else from you all or we'll get out of here? I'll just apologize to the fan base uh, since Roll's optimism that we're actually going to beat Pitt normally doesn't turn out well for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe ours maybe, offset it. Maybe maybe that's the reverse jinx that I just threw in there. I, don't I will say I was pessimistic about Boston College, actually. Okay. And I feel like it was founded. Yes, I know we won, but did we really win? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't think many people left that feeling feeling great. Um, but you know, we'll see what happens. Hopefully, we can we can come back and have two wins, or at the very worst, we can go one and one and and, and just kind of tread water a little bit. But you know, in the meantime, rate, review, subscribe, email us at the Devil's Den Pod at gmail dot com. Find us on the board at the Devil's Den dot com. And uh, you know, Jeremy Roach get healthy and and uh hopefully we can we can get this this week started right. All right, keep the faces strong and the verb high. Go do it.